Yes, this is indeed Dave Hodges. I'm glad you could join us. And we do like to think of ourselves as the show that is freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. And this particular segment, we're joined by Dane Wigington, and he is going to. Let's put it this way. Your mind is going to need to be untangled, not just unenslaved, for what you're going to hear. And you don't hear this stuff everywhere, but I'm warning you, it's upsetting, but it is also very well documented. We'll be joining Dane in just a moment, but first of all, I need to let you know that we are brought to you by MPS. Who's MPS? They're going to keep you from starving to death in a crisis. Best prices, best quality, no GMOs, no glyphosates, 25-year shelf life. Go to preparewithdave.com. Get the peace of mind that you need. Prepare for your right now for your needs. If you don't have six months of storable food, and that's minimum, then you need to stockpile. And at these prices... This is the time to do it because when the crisis hits, it's too late. Go to preparewithdave.com. And if you have food, you absolutely have to have water. And we have the best water distilling product that there is, Alexa Pure Pro. Uh, one gallon, one one straw, one filter takes care of 5,000 gallons. It's incredible, folks, what this does. I've seen the demonstrations for this. And let me tell you why I'm driven to do this. I was introduced to some research that told me that two out of three Americans, 218 million to be exact, have chromium-6 in their water, and that's a cancer-causing agent, not to mention all the lead and the pesticides and everything else. And I said, sure, we need to help people purify their water. Alexa Pure Pro is the way to go. Very, very reasonably priced. Go to waterwithdave.com. That's waterwithdave.com. Well, Dane Wigington needs no introduction to our audience. He's been on with us a few times before. He is the world's foremost authority on geoengineering. And you're saying, what's that? You're going to get a dose of it over this next segment. So stay tuned because we're in for a wild ride. Dane, thanks so much for joining us. I'm really glad you could be with us. Thank you, Dave. And thanks for your continued willingness to address this issue. And uh, in regard to the need for people to be prepared for what's coming, as you stated a few moments ago, um, that can't be overstated. Uh, what, what's coming is is inevitable, very close, and the greatest commodity people can have is uh, enough to eat and drink, and that's that's the fact of the matter. So uh, that's certainly important points you bring up. Well, I'm sure that the people in Wilmington, God bless them, really wished that they had planned and prepped and done what they needed to do because they went through some very, very hard times, and they're not out of the woods yet. Uh, what's important for people to understand, this is not a bump in the road. This is a change, an overturning of the paradigm we have known. This is not going to come and go. People need to stand back far enough from the forest to see the trees, and very, very few are doing that. When we have, when we reach a situation, and we are very close to this point where no one can help anyone, where the emergency services and those who work for them are simply concerned about their own family's ability to survive. At that point, the entire system breaks down and we are so perilously close to that. We have fisheries collapsing around the globe. We have crops collapsing around the globe. And right now we have over $40 billion worth of food being imported to the US to keep our shelves stocked from countries that are starving to death themselves. How long does anyone think such a paradigm can continue? I think we're probably at the end as it is. When do we start to see the mass starvation and the spin-off health side effects? It's already happening. And it will 
go exponential very, very soon. Again, the, the equation, that's important for people to understand. They've been falsely trained and programmed to believe that we can look backward at a graph and that if it took 100 or 200 years to reach a certain point on that graph, it will take as many years to uh, double the consequences or or you know accelerate to the same degree. That's not true. This is an exponential equation. So we're at the point where the breakdown of ecosystems around the globe is is so accelerated at this point that no one is showing it statistically in fact about every bit of data environmentally speaking is is being falsified in a direction that will to try to pacify the population and and back to the climate engineering issue again the truly mathematically the greatest threat we face short of nuclear cataclysm climate engineering man's attempt to play god with the weather uh, must be considered the most insane endeavor ever launched by the human race the most destructive with the worst ramifications and, and it is truly the epitome of human desperation and we are all about to reap the consequences of these programs well, i think you're right on the money with what you're saying but i just went to a conference uh, hosted by steve quayle and timothy alberino called the Legends Conference, and they talked about AI and transhumanism and how basically they want to end humanity and escape with their consciousness into these artificial receptacles. Now, I know that sounds far-fetched, and I'm not going to go down that path with you, but I see a real relationship here between the killing off of the human species through geoengineering and the desire from people that run organizations like Google to do what I just said. Have you considered that at all? Well, again, this is that's not our area of expertise or research, but what, what I would point out is this. Um, the motives and agendas behind climate engineering are many, and those are often missed, and we have the history of these operations. It's ultimately about power and control, but we have weather warfare as a part of that. We have the ionization of the atmosphere to make it more conducive for over-the-horizon radar, communications, EMP offense and defense. And so we have to be careful of trying to put these operations into a single category for a single objective. There are many, many objectives, and I, I want to state this clearly as well. Whatever the agendas, the overall agendas are of those in power, um, on the current course, nobody gets out alive. Nobody. I don't care uh, what their in theory, their notions are what they might be able to do. We are headed toward a planet that will support certainly no human life, and perhaps even the web of life as a whole is in question. And if we look at Venus, Dave, as a comparison planet, again, many people, I, I've used this example often because it's, it helps people to understand where we are headed and, and the end result. All things being equal, Venus would be about 20 to 25 degrees warmer than Earth. It's not 900 degrees on the on the surface because of its proximity to the sun. That's not the case. People think that, but that's not the case. Venus underwent a runaway greenhouse effect. The oceans are in the atmosphere, and the atmosphere is 100 times more dense than the atmosphere of Earth. So heat gets in, doesn't get out. Thus, it's 900 degrees on the surface. And what we are seeing right now is across the board, everywhere we monitor, we are seeing radical underreporting of temperatures. Not over-reporting, but under-reporting. Climate engineering 
further fueling this process and the attempt to people ask, well, why would they do this to themselves? Dave, you must have heard that a million times, right? Why would they do this to themselves? Exactly. Have you not? Yeah, I've heard a lot. So let, let's answer that question. For, to start with the examples of what they have done to themselves, starting with 2,000 plus nuclear detonations that contaminated everybody, including those behind these programs. We have Fukushima that can be an extinction event all by itself. No technology to fix it. No end in sight. Three nuclear volcanoes, three meltdowns, China syndrome. And we're building more nuke plants right now, building them in places where they must fail eventually and very soon, in fact. We have no sanity in this equation, none. What we have is so-called experts, credentialed scientists that will come up with whatever conclusion they're paid to come up with. That's This is across the board. That's how we can have scientists that say uh, chemicals are safe for us and that, uh, you know, a million other things dangerous for us when we know that that's not true. We can have scientists in the medical industry telling us it's fine to have aluminum and mercury in vaccinations. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to think past that one, does it? So we have a society that's behaving like a cancer. So many members in that society that you know, that I know, that are just doing their jobs and not questioning the morality or overall effect of that. And this is especially true in the military. Just do what you're told. Follow orders. And that's a recipe for near-term planetary omnicide. And those at the top that are pulling those strings, again, for climate engineering, back to the point, which is being used one primary objective. This is important to understand. It's being used to mask the severity of damage done to the climate, much of it from climate engineering in the first place, at the cost of making that damage worse. So they can engineer, David, I don't know if you just saw, Canada just lost a bunch of crops. Uh, it's, it's not even calculated yet because of a, a sudden flash snowstorm cool down. Did you see that? No, I didn't. So people wonder, how can this be happening when it's record warmth all around that? I mean, we're 100 degrees in Northern California still. It's called, it, their patented process is called chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. So it's important for your listeners to understand when they see these weather whiplash flash freeze cool downs, that's climate engineering. That's not nature. And they need to understand that. And on the in the environmentalist community, which is the a true source of angst for me, that there's such hypocrisy and willful blindness in the environmentalist community that blames everyone else for ignoring the science, right? You know that. They blame everybody for ignoring the science in regard to the state of the climate when they themselves are completely ignoring the factually verifiable climate engineering scenario of which you, you can't have a legitimate discussion about the climate without discussing climate engineering, and the environmentalist community is refusing to acknowledge that issue. So we have immense hypocrisy coming from the environmentalist community. But bottom line is, there is no natural weather, and these weather whiplash, and your listeners can look that up. If they search geoengineeringwatch.org, uh, chemical ice nucleation, or engineered winter, or uh, freeze-fry scenario, if they just search those terms with geoengineeringwatch.org at the front of that, they'll find lots of articles, lots of verifiable data. That is just frightening beyond belief. Uh, and let me ask you this, though. I mean, you touched on this, and then we kind of moved away from it. The purveyors of this technology and the ones who are in charge of applying it, aren't they worried about themselves and their loved ones? I, I got diverted from that. Yes, let's let's look at that. Okay, I, I started with the examples of what they have already done to themselves. And now let's consider this fact. It's statistically proven that those 
at the top rungs of power have various forms of psychosis. And the common thread with those forms of psychosis is this. This is straight from the psychoanalysis manual. A near total lack of comprehension as to the consequences of their actions, even to themselves. A very, very massive blind spot with those with those forms of psychosis because, Dave, who else would do what I already described with the detonation of so many nuclear weapons? Who else would build enough nuclear weaponry to exterminate humanity about 12,000 times over, enough to destroy life on this planet many, many times over? Who else would do that? But yet they do. And we have a population that's unfortunately been so far all too willing to go along, to look the other way, to play with their shiny gadgets. If we do not change this paradigm, starting with stopping climate engineering, we are done. I, I can't stress that enough, and I don't care how hard it is to hear. We're done in the very, very near-term horizon. I live in a forest ecosystem in Northern California that was thriving only 15 years ago. Now it's silent near dead, dying. We, we, my family just today saw you know, half-starved bear. It's the only bear we've seen. They used to be in our front yard, healthy, big, uh, robust-looking bears, uh, life everywhere. I live in a boreal rainforest. The, the trees are dying throughout the forest. There's no insects. There's no berries on anything. I, I mean, this is just one snapshot of what's happening around the globe. I'd encourage your listeners to look up a site. I think it's called uh, Mass Animal Die-Off 2018. And there's a mass animal die-off 2017, 2016. It doesn't even cover all the die-offs. It's put together by a Christian group, I think. But it is shocking beyond belief what we are not being told. And anybody who thinks this can be hidden for much longer is sadly mistaken. Uh, we have the oceans are dying by the day. Um, terrestrial ecosystems dying by the day. How can humans survive with no habitat? Answer, we won't. So these people are predisposed to committing suicide by environmentalism? No. Let's look at it as a cancer. It has nothing to do with environmentalism. They're not environmentalists. Does a cancer intend to kill its host? No. A cancer intends to proliferate no matter what. And the host eventually dies. And that's how these people are behaving. And unfortunately, much of society behaving the same way with them. So they can have whatever plans they have for various agendas of takeover, control of certain rural areas, none of that will mean anything on a planet that's dead. And for those that can't see this happening, I would encourage you, please just disconnect from your preconceptions and programming and look at the frontline data. We cannot continue on this course. Let's give some more statistics. Global pelagic fish populations down 90%. Bluefin tuna populations 97% decline. Insect populations, 80% crash. How long do people think we will be here if the insects can't survive? And we published that data nearly 10 years ago on geoengineeringwatch.org, Dave, and were given a great deal of blowback because of it, an attempt to discredit us, and yet now we have peer-reviewed science study to prove it. We published that it was more than just glyphosate or radio frequency transmissions killing, for example, bees. No bees, no people. Now we have peer-reviewed study to prove aluminum is, in fact, killing the bees. It's a peer-reviewed study. Why aren't we seeing it on every channel? Because they don't want us to see it. And if it kills the bees and gives them, in fact, the peer-reviewed study states symptoms resembling Alzheimer's and dementia in a human being, how can any rationally thinking and awake individual not consider that the same is happening to us? We are all getting dumber by the day. And 
I've, I've used that statement before. It's a little harsh, but it's true. And now, as of several weeks ago, we have peer-reviewed science study, because they can't hide it anymore, that the air particulate pollution, much of which is toxic heavy metals from climate engineering fallout, not being acknowledged, is worse for us cognitively than it is physically. What's that mean? It's it's far more damaging to our ability to think even than our physical health. Dropping our IQs, reducing our cognitive ability. If that's not a fight for life, what is? Um, wow. I, what is the goal of geoengineering? I mean, what are they trying to accomplish? Can't put it in one box. That's a mistake. Again, you have to go back to the inception of these programs. People ask why would governments want to control the weather? And my response would be, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? Knowing how they think, how military industrial complex leaders think, why wouldn't they want to have a weapon that would allow them to decimate countries without those countries ever even knowing they went to war? Who do we have? I just posted a full audio of John Bolton stating some months ago that we would be in Tehran by 1919, stating that we're going to topple that country. What do we have the leaders of Iran stating since then? That their precipitation is being cut off by NATO weather modification programs. When you cut the rain off to a country, you destabilize that country. You cut off their food source. And that's exactly what's happening, and that's not new. And as I've stated many times in many presentations, if we look at Wesley Clark's statements one week after the 9-11 false flag, he gave the list of countries that were going to be taken down. Is it a coincidence that every one of those countries that has already been destabilized and toppled, Iraq, Libya, and so forth, has undergone a once in 1,000 year drought? Is that a coincidence? No, it's weather modification, climate engineering. This is a weather weapon. So when we get to agendas, again, What's happening in our atmosphere is complex, and there are many agendas being carried out. The ionization of the atmosphere, the spraying of these electrically conductive particulates, makes the atmosphere more electrically conductive, better for communications. The consequences are irrelevant to those in power. We already know that. So you have that aspect. You have the weather warfare aspect. You have We have Senate documents where the U.S. government states in them, they're posted at geoengineeringwatch.org. Search geoengineeringwatch.org, massive Senate documents. You'll find an 800-page one off the bat stating that they, that our government stating it was their responsibility and their right, as if they have this right, but it was their right to decide where it rained too much, where it didn't rain enough, and they get to pull the levers. That's what those in power do. So you have all these aspects ultimately related to power and control and you have the bigger aspect, which I mentioned earlier in this broadcast, that as they have intervened in the climate system, completely derailing the natural system, doing immense damage to the ozone layer, contaminating the entire surface of the planet, disrupting the hydrological cycle, the more they intervened, the more they had to intervene to try to cover up the damage done from them intervening in the first place. You would think there would come a time, though. When you're firing off your geoengineering weapons and you can see the counterproductivity of it, and rather than the weapons destroying your enemy, they're coming back to hurt you, wouldn't, wouldn't there be some kind of self-awareness mechanism that would kick in and say, we can't go any further with this? Okay, let me back into that from two different angles. First, 
for the for U.S. citizens that think, why would our government do this to us? I want to set that false notion to rest immediately for anyone who still thinks that our government is here and actually cares about U.S. citizens or is here for our welfare. Mm -hmm. That's a very, very naive notion. And that could not be further from the truth. So one. Well, that's not what I was addressing, though, Dean. I, I know was you talking weren't. talking about self-preservation. No, I, I, I know you weren't. I know you weren't. I just want to make sure for your listeners that they don't go down that road. As far as self-preservation goes, again, we have those at the top that are not sane, are not rational, and their drive for power and control is total. Does an addict consider that the next dose might kill him? No. No. They can't stop. They can't stop. And that's what we're dealing with. It's exactly what we're dealing with. I saw when I was, I, I've shared this before on, on, on previous disseminations, but when I was 11 years old, I saw something that struck me as incredibly profound even at the time, 10 or 11. It was a nature program where they, they strapped a clear jar to a tree, put a fruit in the jar, and the monkey walks up, he sees the fruit, reaches in, grabs it, but he can't get his hand out of the jar. Can't get it out. And they walk right up on him, grab him, kill him and eat him are those in power not behaving exactly the same way they they won't let go of the fruit they won't they're not about to let go of their power and control and they know and this is key those in power know that if the populations around the globe find out what's been done to them not just by our government by all governments around the globe they've all except iran in this case i want to state that iran is not participating in these programs they're not condoning other things about iran or, or their government but but they're not the threat they're painted to be, and they are painted to be a certain threat to justify taking over yet another country for their resources. But Iran's not involved in these programs, but the majority of countries around the globe are, either actively or passively. And if their populations find out that their governments have done this to them, irreparably harm them, the particulates that we've all been breathing in are building up on our bodies. You can't just purge them out. They've done damage already that cannot be undone. If these populations find out, Dave, I would argue they're going to take to the streets with their pitchforks and torches and look for everybody involved. And those in power absolutely know this. And in fact, in my personal conversation, which I published with an insider, former Oak Ridge lab person, who made clear the liability issue from what's already been done is so immense, so incalculable, that the government, our government, will do everything it can to hide this from the population until the last possible moment and keep doubling down on the issue. And this is important too. You have to look at it through their lens. It's called a risk to risk scenario in their lens to keep their power, to keep business as usual, the risk of doing this versus the risk of not doing it. We have methane blowing out of the Arctic Sea right now. We've had methane counts as high as 3,450 parts per billion recently at 20,000 feet. That's extraordinarily high. Why is methane such a danger? Because it's an unimaginably potent greenhouse gas. Over a 10-year time horizon, it's 100 to 120 to 130 times more potent than CO2. Heat gets in, doesn't get out. Even though climate engineering operations have actually made that methane situation worse, not better. And for people to understand how the methane blows out from the seafloor, Dave, you're familiar with the Bermuda Triangle ship sinkings for the last six, seven decades, right? Yeah, very much so. That's methane release. You have methane releasing from the seafloors. The oceans are warming, and they are, radically. Formerly frozen methane deposits thaw, and the fields tend to release all at once. That aerates the water like a 
bottle of champagne, the ships have no buoyancy, they sink. Right. But that methane then hits the surface, goes in the atmosphere, starts covering the planet. That's why nighttime low temperatures are rising twice as fast as daytime highs. So those in power to hide the severity of what's unfolding, much of which caused, was caused by their own programs, to hide this from the public, to keep the public from panicking until the last possible moment, are doubling down on climate engineering. Doubling down again and again and again. When you say doubling down, what specifically are you referring to? They're ramping the programs up. So let me, let me give an example of that. I just described the methane going into the atmosphere. That is, a, is adding uh, nails to our collective coffin. So what do they do about that? Let's double down on the experiment again. They're using radio frequency microwave transmissions, two project acronyms your listeners can look up, Project Lucy and Project Alamo. Those are acronyms for using ground-based microwave transmissions to blast the atmosphere with opposing frequencies to try to molecularly degrade the methane with unknown consequences again. So it's, it's like the health pharmaceutical, Dave. Take this for that ailment, and here's 50 side effects that you have 50 other pharmaceuticals, all of which have their own list of side effects, and let's just keep doubling down and taking more and more drugs mm -hmm. until we die. This is pure insanity. You think, though, at some point there would be division within the ranks, and some people would say, well, I was willing to go so far with this, but I'm not willing to go all the way. Have we seen any of that? Excellent, excellent question. Yes. And that, in that scenario, I feel, lies our best chance for exposing and halting these programs. People ask, why is reaching a critical mass of awareness so important? And, we, and we've stated that at geoengineeringwatch.org. Short of a critical mass, we have no chance. And for exactly the scenario you just stated, and you are exactly on the mark, and we do believe that is happening already. We're dealing, we have two former U.S. Air Force major generals working with us behind the scenes. They've been on our attorney conference calls. Yes, they are realizing that blindly following orders is is a recipe for certain near-term omnicide on this planet, which includes they and their families. So yes, we are seeing that. And yes, that is our best chance to stop this. If, if, if everybody helped bring this to light and military families know what their family members doing, and we start to erode this situation from the inside out, that is our best chance. I'm sure you're familiar with the document, uh, Air Force Owning the Weather 2025. Yes, sir. I know for a fact that one of the signatories a high-ranking official who still likes to remain hidden because he's fearful for personal safety is releasing information on this. And he was shown the exit because he wouldn't go along with doing these kinds of things. It wasn't just geoengineering in terms of the atmosphere, but it was initiating earthquakes and volcanic eruptions. And he said, I'm not going to be a party to this. Um, are you aware of defectors like this? Not that specifically were exited because of their willingness to confront this issue while they're actually still in service. But after their service, their attempt to, to make a difference, General Albert Stubblebine was a friend, uh, former U.S. Army Major General, um, now deceased. But and he, what he shared with me was that his contacts in the Pentagon – Regarding Fukushima, let's take that as an example, the Japanese quake that triggered Fukushima. The quake was intended, and for those of your listeners that are overwhelmed, and, and you've probably explained this, but just in case, 
how could they possibly trigger seismic activity? There's a number of ways. One, if there's a seismically sensitive zone, you could use uh, on the seafloor, for example, you could use nukes to do that. Or in the case of the Japanese quake, if you bounce these tremendously powerful radio frequency microwave transmissions off the atmosphere and down into Earth's strata, and you keep that signal going long enough, you cause heating and expansion, just like something in your microwave oven. Turn some, put something in there and turn it on too long and watch it blow up. So in the case of the Japanese quake, we have institutions like MIT acknowledging on the record incredibly anomalous atmospheric heating directly above the epicenter in the days prior to the quake, a absolute signature of the microwave transmissions being used for exactly what I just described, and back to Bert Stubblebein and why they would cause such a quake, and then Fukushima. His contacts in the Pentagon told him they intended the quake, but not Fukushima. They didn't intend the meltdown, but when you have, we trigger a 9.0, things are going to happen. Then you add the Stuxnet virus from the U.S. and Israel that kept the safety equipment from working in Fukushima, and you have a recipe for three nuclear meltdowns, which we now have. So you, you have, again, a lack of concern for the consequences. Why would they have caused the quake in Japan? Let's look at the picture from a little wider angle. Prior to that quake, prior to that disaster, Japan was beginning to ally with its regional partners. After that disaster, right back in the U.S. hip pocket, there is much, much more to what's unfolding around the globe than the U.S. public has any idea about. Wow. I, you know, I heard that they brought Japan back into the fold economically after Fukushima. But I was told, and probably falsely, that it was done to elicit aid from the U.S. Um, yeah, I, 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 you're getting me to rethink that. That's really interesting. But that's still a factor. Even that's a factor. That's a part of the equation. I mean, uh, that that's just one more log on that side of the scale. I wouldn't deny that, what you just stated. I think that is a part of the equation. But, but prior to the quake... Uh, you had the reason for the quake, the reason to trigger the circumstances to uh, facilitate the scenario you just described, and it it centers around Japan beginning to ally with its regional partners, which was put an end to after the quake. Very interesting. We're speaking with Dane Wigington, and we're talking about uh, the uh, earth-ending science of geoengineering, and we're going to get down that road with those words uh, with the words intended that I just said. But first, I need to let you know that this segment is brought to you by Health Masters. And you've heard me say it before here on the show. Uh, I've avoided major medical catastrophes by employing the services of Health Masters, and I've well documented what I've done with my knees, with my back injury. And I go to Health Masters before I go to the doctor. And I'm not against my doctor, but I go to where I know I get results, and Dr. Ted Brewer at Health Masters produces results. Go to healthmasters.com. And use the coupon code CSS5 to take 5% off. We're also brought to you this hour by Virtual Shield. And I have to tell you, folks, in this day and age, we may not have time to worry about it. But in case we do, I foresee a time when Donald Trump leaves office and the social media people are going to come calling. And they're going to come calling with their blue-helmeted goons, and they're going to put you away for where you've been on the net. It's going to be just like they do with China. It's coming here to America at some point in time. And Virtual Shield can basically erase your browsing history, keep you from being tracked. They also can keep the bad guys out of your computer. And I'll tell you, they charge next to nothing. You will not believe the pricing, and they got a special. I don't know how you do a special on top of nothing, but they're doing it. Go to hidewithdave.com. 
hidewithdave.com to get the best in computer protection. Well, we're speaking with Dane Wigington here, and every time I talk to Dane, I get one step closer to moving permanently under my bed and taking up residence there, and that isn't even going to be a safe place. Dane, this it seems to me that there are no options at this point. Maybe we can delay the inevitable. Is it too late for humanity? Let me break that down first. Are we? People ask, are we past the point of no return? Yes. You, you have to. You have to frame that. Are we past the point of any return to the planet we've known? Yes. We likely passed that point perhaps two decades ago. Can we still? preserve some aspect of Earth's life support systems, we don't know. No one knows. You have some frontline climate scientists like Dr. Guy McPherson, um, whom I know personally from UC Arizona, who has stated that we are months away from um, complete collapse, which I would, I would agree that that is likely given the current course we are on. But does that mean that we will have complete planetary omnicide in the next four to five years? We don't know. And here's the big variable that Dr. McPherson does not acknowledge. And I, I, I feel his, his denial on this is absolutely criminal. And, and he knows firsthand, again, how I feel about that denial from the, from the environmental community, the same. The, the biggest variable in this equation is exposing and halting climate engineering. The planet cannot respond to the damage done. And let's look at the carbon count, Dave. Now, CO2 too much too fast is not good. I don't care what anybody says or thinks. It's necessary, yes, but too much too fast, nothing can adapt, and it is a problem. But that being said, what happened in Earth's previous epochs, like the Pliocene epoch, 5.2 million years ago, carbon count was higher than it is today. Did we have a, a dying, droughted out, burning Western North American continent? No, it was thriving. Why? Because as the carbon increased, the heat increased, the rain increased, carbon-laden rain increased, the forest thrived. They began to pick up some of that carbon to try to balance the equilibrium of the planet again. That cannot happen. It can't happen with climate engineering. It's It's like the planet trying to swim while in a straight jacket and an anvil tied to it. It can't respond. Nature can't respond to the damage done. Now, and this is not to say that the narrative that we have from Ryan Zinke, for example, that the forests are burning because we're not cutting down enough trees. That is absolute nonsense. And I'm speaking firsthand. I've been involved with six federal habitat restoration programs on an industrial scale. My father was an arborist. I've been in the forest firsthand years, years doing firsthand habitat restoration. So that, that narrative is an absolute lie. And while they're pushing that narrative, they're ignoring the climate engineering factor. And in regard to the forest fires, Dave, I want to say this clearly. One, we've been bad, we've been bad stewards of our planet. There's no ignoring that from countless perspectives. There's no ignoring that, that factor. But in regard to the fires themselves, that can most directly be laid around the neck of climate engineering, period, because climate engineering disrupting the hydrological cycle, toxifying the ground with the toxic heavy metals I mentioned that are in the precipitation, kills roots, destroying the ozone layer, that kills the trees from the top down, ionizes the atmosphere, which I already stated, makes it more electrically conductive, that creates more dry lightning, i.e. more fires, and we have an incendiary dust. These metals are incendiaries, they coat the foliage, they coat everything, they make it more flammable. So from every direction, climate engineering must be considered 
the core causal factor for the massive fires that are burning around the globe. And all the environmental groups are completely ignoring that. What's, what's the answer? The answer is if we want to be on this planet much longer for all of us, we have to focus. There may be a lot of problems with the boat we're floating on, but if there's a giant gaping hole in the bottom, that's our biggest problem. Climate engineering is the issue we must must deal with first. And in regard to the fires, I would encourage your listeners to look at a report we published on Geoengineering Watch with ample data to prove that the wildfires are actually being used as a part of the climate engineering operations now. That this template has been set for these fires to burn hot intentionally to, in a last-ditch effort to load the atmosphere with sun-blocking particles, short-term cooling at the cost of a far worsened long-term warming. They are that desperate. The particulates have been stated in science study to help cool the Arctic temporarily, and they are that desperate. So they have set the template for these fires to burn, fires most directly related to climate engineering. I only ask your listeners to research the data. Now, as far as what do we do, everyone can and must help in this battle if they if they want to preserve any future for their prosperity or at least buy some time credible data is on geoengineeringwatch.org we are non-political if you share data with someone it's exponentially more effective than pointing at the sky and ranting we have free downloadable links you can share those links on your computer we offer materials for our approximate cost of producing and shipping and we print in mass scale so we print things pretty cheap we're just trying to get them in circulation that's our only goal if, if we all help to bring this issue to light, the moment we reach a critical mass, the moment they can't hide this issue, there will be a paradigm shift, a shockwave around the globe. Our problems will not be over, not by a long shot, but we will have changed directions completely. Populations will realize how immediate this threat is, what's been done to them, and that will drag all the issues to the surface. It will supersede all the political theater idiocy that everybody's caught up on right now. None of that means anything. It's meant for mass distraction. We must deal with preserving life's, Earth's life support systems that still remain or we're done. How will the end come if we don't reverse this? What will it look like? Well, I would argue that, again, our... our most immediate threat is as the power structure realizes they can't hide what's unfolding from the population. They will create false flag events, global conflict, both perhaps uh, escalated biological warfare may occur because we know we have the platform to distribute these biologicals with climate engineering already. All they would have to do is add that to the mix and we're done. But the power structure desperation is our most immediate threat. As far as the climate goes, as far as Earth's life support system. If we remain in the current course, your listeners should look up Venus syndrome, and that's the course we're on. That you trigger feedback loops that start to feed in themselves, like the methane. Very simple. Heating causes this methane to thaw and release, goes into the atmosphere, creates more heating, more methane releases, and it continues to feed in itself until our planet looks like Venus in in, in the geologic blink of an eye. I want to stress that point. This is not over the course of millions of years or even millennia or even centuries. It's faster even than that. People don't understand we're in a fishbowl and everything stays here in this fishbowl. And if you trigger certain fires in that fishbowl, 
um, you're not going to be around long, and that's the fact of the matter. And it's for those who think this is about Al Gore or carbon credits, no. I want to clear that up. Gore is a part of the power structure. I have great disdain for him. Carbon credits are a sham. But that doesn't change reality. Wars, we had – Al Gore makes money off his environmental activism. Yes, Dave? Oh, he makes yeah. billions, yes. Correct. And people make money off of wars on all sides of the fence. But does that mean the wars didn't happen and people didn't die? Again, I have great disdain for Gore, but we have to we have to get past Al Gore and look at what's really happening. Al Gore played, I would argue, exactly the part they wanted him to play. Make people be so polarizing, make people hate you so much that they will turn off their sense of reason. And they won't even look at the fact that, yes, and the, it, it's not as bad as Gore stated, actually. It's, it's exponentially worse. Exponentially worse. Gore lied, yes. But it's far worse than anything Gore said. We have – let's take one aspect, ozone layer collapse, which geoengineering, by the way, is the single greatest cause of ozone destruction. We had a NASA contract engineer working with us with equipment we supplied. He estimated total ozone collapse by 2025 done we're done if that's the course we're on and that doesn't mean things are fine till then at all that's one factor and we're talking about far less than a decade okay so the ozone goes away Let, let's just talk to the people who may not be up on this are we going to see mass blindness i mean what will the immediate effects be on the population total terrestrial ecosystem collapse we will not be here without without an ozone layer the bombardment of lethal radiation on the surface is too intense. Nothing lives. We're done. All terrestrial life is done at that point. Crop destruction followed by uh, dissipating water reserves. Is is that what we're looking at? Well, you, you'd still have an evaporative cycle that would produce precipitation in some places. But we're, what we're already seeing, let's take a snapshot of today. We're not just seeing excessive UVB on the surface. We're told 95% of all incoming UV radiation should be UVA, 5% UVB, no UVC, and certainly no X-ray. For your listeners to understand, the scale goes UVA first, UVB, UVC, then X-ray. We all know how dangerous X-ray is for us. UVC is not much better. It's just the step above that. We're getting massive amounts, significant amounts of UVC on the surface, massive amounts of UVB. We're already seeing the effects. It's part of what's killing the insects. And, it, and let's stop and look at that. 80% decline in insect populations, 80%. How can people ignore that? Uh, the insects die, we're done, and they're 80% gone. We've lost 60% of Earth's wildlife as a whole in the last 40 years. Plankton, no plankton, no people. Plankton populations with UV radiation is also killing because the plankton have to feed in the upper levels of the water, and the UV radiation is killing them, along with a lot of other things killing them. 60% plankton decline. Plankton is the greatest supplier of oxygen on the planet. Boreal forests, second. Both of those sources now are not producing oxygen in any quantity. In fact, the boreal forests are, are becoming a carbon source and not a carbon sink. They're dying so fast. So global atmospheric oxygen percentages are plummeting absolutely plummeting. That's part of what I'll cover on my broadcast on Geoengineering Watch this week. And from every direction, again, the, the walls are closing in on us so quickly that people need to prioritize the soccer game, the football, whatever they're doing. Is that worth ignoring the fact that 
the house is burning down around us and our children have no future if we don't collectively stand up, bring this issue to light, bring it to a halt, and allow the planet to respond while there's anything left to salvage. What will people succumb from when, when the collapse happens and we're not able to mitigate this? What will people actually begin to die of? There's no there's no way to fill in that blank. One, again, the power structure is, is uh, it's possible, if not likely, they will trigger a nuclear exchange. Understood. Yeah, to cover it up, right? And, and in their mind, you have to consider this. If they're willing to facilitate massive boreal forest burndowns to load the the atmosphere with particulates to try to provide a temporary cooling effect, they're certainly willing to trigger a nuclear exchange to do the same. So that's that's one very likely potential as the severity of what's unfolding becomes impossible to hide. As far as starvation goes, it's already happening. It's already happening. You have people resorting to uh, the um, Somalian or the, the pirates, you know, the uh, on the on some of the shipping lanes. They're out of food. Their fish are dead. They're so desperate. They're doing. I'm not condoning what they're doing, but um, they're simply looking for food at this point. And the, and the amount of refugees we have are exactly that. They're not migrants. They're refugees. And I'm not saying that our country and others hasn't done everything they can to facilitate that. When you go into a country and you destroy their infrastructure, which is what our country and others allies have helped to do in certain countries, you're going to create mass refugees, and that helps to facilitate other agendas in, in other countries. I, I, that's a whole other subject, but we're seeing massive environmental refugee flows right now. Dave, you saw the, the uh, red tides in Florida, right? I did. So what we have happening is called Canfield Ocean. That's a lifeless, dead, stratified oceans. Oceans die, we die. Very simple. Oceans are superheating. We're seeing temperatures in some of the Arctic zones 20, 25 degrees above normal. Now, some can't comprehend exactly how severe that is. Consider that a cubic meter of seawater can contain 4,000 times the thermal energy of a cubic meter of air. The oceans hold immense amounts of energy, and for them to be 25 degrees above normal is staggering. So we're seeing this mass methane expulsion. So back to the tides, people in Florida, for example. Uh, we just got news uh, two days ago of more uh, glacier buttresses disintegrating these are the ice shelves in Antarctica, which is going to cause the land-based ice to slide off much, much faster. And we're seeing massive sea level rise in Florida right now. They can't pump out parts of Florida. They have nearly a billion-dollar pump projects trying to pump it out and hide it from the population. How long can you hide it? And when the oceans superheat, they deoxygenate. It's hypoxic and anoxic zones, low and no oxygen zones. Everything dies. And that's where you see these massive fish kills. It's not from... Dave, you've seen some of the fish kills in the Pacific. People blame it on Fukushima, right? Yes, absolutely. And I, I, well, you see, other, there's a million excuses, but you're absolutely right in where you're going. So Fukushima is a problem. I don't deny that. And the fish are, are being contaminated with radioactivity. But the fish kills are from a lack, the, the overnight, instant, belly up, thousands of fish. That's from low and no oxygen. The seabed warms. You have gassing occurring methane and hydrogen sulfide. Dave, you've heard of the rotten egg smell that keeps being reported from lots of West Coast locations? Well, not only that, we had the explosions in Boston over the same thing. Well, we had, yes, we had the, the, the gas leaks, and we're, you know, I don't know what the full investigation is with that, but on the 
on the seabed gassing, that deoxygenates the water as those fields release and the fish die. That's simple. We had in, in Chile about a year and a half ago, one example, 50,000 tons of salmon went belly up. 50, how do you get your arms around that many fish? It's, it's staggering. And people don't understand that this is happening all over the globe. This is just, well, I, I just shake my head at this and saying, what the hell are we thinking? Well, give us a few action steps, things we could do right now to at least extend our lifespan. Well, and again, in extending, we're in uncharted territory. So if we could accomplish starting with stopping climate engineering, who can say how things will unfold? One will realize that the current path we're on was was a, a path of certain suicide and will hopefully change that path. And who knows what might be possible then? I don't claim to know the future. I only know that on the current trajectory, uh, we can say with certainty we have no future. It's, it's David, would be like looking at the car going 100 miles an hour, 10 feet from impact into a solid concrete wall. You can say with certainty you can put the brakes on all you want. You're going to hit. And that's the scenario we're in right now. What people can do much, much more than, than they think or have been told to believe. If everyone started to, with credible data, you can't just start ranting about a subject you don't know enough about, pointing at the sky. You just shut people down. Sharing credible data, visual data, copies of documents, all of that is on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org, a non-political site. This is not a political issue. And that's exponentially more effective to share that kind of data than it is to rant and rave. If you wait those around you and they do the same with their circles, we can reach a critical mass. And if we reach a critical mass, the wheels will roll on their own. Our work at geoengineeringwatch.org and raising critical mass is why we have Air Force people working with us now, agency people, we have an attorney's team. Once you reach a point where people realize they are fighting for their own lives and this issue must be dealt with, now we have an army of the awakened. Now we can fight a battle. That's what we need, an army of the awakened to raise this issue to light. And all of us are needed in that. How extreme do we need to go? And we just have a couple of seconds left here, but... Do we have to get out of our cars, abandon electricity? I mean, how, how extreme would the solutions be? For any long-term survivability? Yes. The current paradigm in every manner was never sustainable. Now, I, I, I want to state to your listeners, I'm completely off-grid. I have a background in renewable energy. That's what got me onto the climate engineering issue. I was losing massive amounts of my solar power from what the sun blocking particles these aircraft were spraying. So I'm on solar, wind, and hydro, but even those are energy extenders. It takes an immense amount of energy. I want your listeners to consider this to build a wind turbine, for example, 45 stories high. Tremendous amount of fossil fuel to build that. And we can't conduct the kind of paradigm we've already had. So again, the I almost don't want to answer this question, Dave, as you can maybe I, I tell. Can, I can tell, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the current paradigm was never sustainable. But I would ask this. Wouldn't it be showing more love to our children to have a paradigm that would allow them to have a future, whatever that is, until, until what such time that some sort of truly environmentally sustainable technology can be developed until that point in time – wouldn't it be a greater sign of love to our children to live in a paradigm, however 
much more primitive was sustainable and would allow them to have a future and to experience being a part of a web of life than to have a fossil fuel fiesta until the brutal bitter end, which is very close. Does that make sense? It does. Let, let me step to the side just for a second and come in the side door of this. If the people who are running governments had never engaged in geoengineering and they had simply stuck to straight industrialization, would we be in the same position today? I would argue we'd be in a much, much better position. Much, much better for many reasons. One, the planet would have been allowed to respond the entire time. Rain deluge would have increased for every degree C of warming. And I, I hope you can tell by my facts and figures, I am not shooting from the hip. I know this data inside out. The planet warms. For every degree C of warming, there's 7% more moisture carried in the atmosphere. The planet tries to start responding, like I described in the Pliocene Epoch 5.2 million years ago. The forests start to, to grow prolifically. And populations would realize, hey, we have a problem. We can't keep going this direction. Instead, what the climate engineers have done is things like engineering a snowstorm over the pyramids or in United Arab Emirates. And everybody jumps up and down and says, look, there can't be any global warming. Look, it just snowed here where it's never snowed before. Sure, it was 50 degrees and it was chemical ice nucleation that did it. But hey, who cares? Uh, you know, how could there be global warming if it's snowing on the pyramids? In the meantime, the rest of the planet is – we had heat indexes in India and the Middle East of 165, Dave, in the last two years. That's the feels-like temperature. People can't live in those temperatures. So to answer your question, had they never done this, I would argue we would be in unimaginably better shape right now. Even if nothing else had changed, we would be in much, much better shape. Not that we could have continued down the same road, but – the planets, the ozone layer would be much more intact. We, we would be, we would have much more time than we now have. Let me say it that way. That's an interesting way to put it. Much more time than we would have had. But to do the correction, we have to roll back the industrial use. Am I correct, or am I making a false assumption? In its current form, you can't continue. I mean, the bottom, the bottom line is, and it's not. People focus on CO2 all the time. It's not just CO2. Methane is the bigger, the bigger problem. And the methane that's releasing all over the globe, and then they, then they think cow flatulence. I'm not talking about cow flatulence. That's another issue that's used to polarize people. I'm talking about formerly frozen methane deposits that are blowing, exploding into the sky. And for your listeners should look this up, Dave. Search Siberian methane craters, and they will be shocked. Have you seen those craters, Dave? No, I'm not familiar with it. Oh, I, I would absolutely encourage you to look – two things I would look up, and it, it'll, it'll clarify uh, a lot of what I'm talking about. Search Siberian methane craters, and it looks like a giant nuclear war zone, massive craters of methane exploding into the atmosphere in the Siberian tundra. These craters are uh, a couple hundred feet deep, hundreds of feet wide. You have to see it to believe it. Next, search Ice Balls Lake Michigan, and you'll see – to give you a stunning example of the chemical nucleation I'm talking about, you'll see perfectly spherical ice balls. It didn't just happen on Lake Michigan. It hap it's happening all over the globe. Because of the chemical ice nucleating elements they're using, it, it forms around a nucleus and, and forms these ice balls that, that the official sources try to explain away because their job is to hide climate engineering. You have to see these pictures to believe it in both cases. And, and those ice balls happen, consider this, on Lake Michigan when water temperatures were just under 45 degrees. Now, let's ask ourselves, how can you possibly have 70-pound spherical ice balls with 45-degree water? 
happening all over the globe. So there are profound things happening. We are not being told about while everybody's caught up in the political theater, everybody on every side of the fence. We better focus on the hole in the bottom of the boat, Dave, again, or it's game over. Yes. Uh, so back, back to the question I asked you, I'm going to even be more specific. Uh, I used to teach college sociology, and uh, uh, what we see here is a situation where we have hunting and gathering, pastoral, agriculture, industrial, and what they call post-industrial, whatever the hell that is, because uh, we haven't lived through it yet. We don't really know. But what you're describing for me is for us to have any kind of chance, we have to really roll back the lifestyle to what we had during the Revolutionary War, which is pastoral. Mathematically speaking, with current technology, that's a given. There's no question. The, the current paradigm was it was completely unsustainable from from the inception of it. And the bottom line is perhaps at some point some other technology that is truly sustainable will be developed, but it is not here now. Understood. And yeah, that's that's understood. I get it. So you just answered my question pretty much in the affirmative. Well if that's what we gotta do, that's what we gotta do. Dane, we are out of time. We went into overdrive. Uh we were gonna air this as a pre record on our Sunday segment. We're gonna go to the following Friday because it gives us more exposure. But I'm going to put this out on YouTube preliminarily. So if you're hearing this, people, and you want to hear it again and you want to share the MP3, it will be on our radio site at Global Star Radio Network. And uh, I'll tell you, folks, this is one scary set of circumstances. Dane, very quickly, would you give out your website, please? geoengineeringwatch.org. And Dave, we, I, I never ask or want anybody to believe anything I'm saying. I'm simply asking them to please investigate the data and the, the verifiable facts we have to back up that data. Absolutely. Well, you've done a good job, a masterful job of laying out this nightmare. Dane, thanks so much for joining us. I think I look forward to having you back. I mean, I do because your professionalism is so good, but I walk away from here shaking my head saying, how did we ever do this to ourselves? Dane, thanks so much. Thank you, Dave.